Yeah, you you're a marketing pigeon. That's yeah. what you are. Actually, I think that should be the term. <laughs> That's what should be pigeon. invented. Instead of it being like, oh, who's the ideal avatar? It's just like, who's our pigeon? Yeah, who's good. that? Who's that yeah, yeah, silly yeah. thing that just goes, ooh, chippy? Yeah, and ooh, then bread. goes and goes <laughs> so and gives true. everything to it. So true. Are we are we recording, Matt? Yeah, of course we are. Darcy oh, Pigeon Smythe. Yeah. Good. So we just for those of you that have just jo- just joined us, or if you heard, I don't know how much Matt's going to put in that, but. We've discovered that, uh, I believe the jab, I believe the specific words were, Darcy, you care so much about headphones, but you don't have two brain cells to be able to run, rub together <laughs> to even know what you're listening to. I think that was, that was sort of the, mm-hmm. the message of that one from one Stephen J. Clayton. Appreciate that. Darcy loves his headphones. He's a headphone snob. He looks at people that don't have good headphones and he's like, I do. missing out on life. No, I look down on them as people, as human beings. Like, I'm I like, get it. You, are a, a you are a lesser person than me if your, head, if your headphones are less than mine. <laughs> That's simply how that works. <laughs> good. But I think the law of diminishing returns, I think you're incapable of noticing the difference. Yeah. Look, hey... <laughs> Um, there's a, th- I mean, that may be true. <laughs> that may be true. But all I know is that I find a lot of identity in my headphones. And if I took these away, I don't know what else oh, I, I know, have, bro. boys. That's what scares <laughs> me underneath all I this. I know. This, this facade. What? What? Just like NBA? Like, just like a basketball fan? Everyone's a basketball fan. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> hey, we Anywho. have, uh, we have, yeah, anyway, on with <laughs> the podcast. Let's introduce our guest. Yeah. We have... Uh, a great man named Nathaniel Hodges, Nat Hodges. Nat, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed your introduction so far. Boys, thanks for having me. Unaware we're recording, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how we roll. <laughs> we're good to go. Good to know. Oh, so like often it, our guests, like so often our guests haven't listened to a podcast previously, and we'll just add Nat to the ever-growing uh-huh. list of that, which is good. Doesn't know this is how we start things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I've walked into that one nice and early. So, to, uh, Nat, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself. I mean, man, what you do is so is so broad and, and vague. But sure. you know, we're we're very interested in po- in this podcast more about who you are rather than what you do, um, which leads uh-huh. into, yep. as I'm sure you can imagine, much deeper discussion, more mm-hmm. uh, more uh, so we say f- fulfilling discussion. I would say more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So, dig into it, man. Who is Nat Hodges? Well, Matt, I'd like to start with, yes, uh, my currency is vagueness. Yes. Um, that's what I trade in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no, I, on the surface, I'm a business and personal consultant. Um, just found myself working with a kind of very specialized client. So, yeah, if you want to start there, we can kind of go, go into it. But uh, essentially through my, I suppose, business journey and, and personal journey, you uh, tend to figure out some stuff and then apply it to your clients, right? So what ended up, what ended up happening for me was uh, I, I understood very, very high-functioning people. Um, and I, I understood them on a level that made them feel um, mm. not so alone anymore. Mm. Uh, and for unbeknownst to me why that is or, or what that is about, about the way I do what I do, but... Um, but I tend to be able to be the space for very, very gifted minds and very functioning, functioning, high functioning people with um, a lot of complexity that they have to manage in their life. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well Can you go deeper on that, man? Like that, that, that sentence alone could be an hour's worth of podcast. Yeah. You just want to go deeper on that, man. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'll start with a bit of context. Um, early complex environments build complex brains. 
um, and complex brands go on to solve complex problems. So it's when you put it that way, every single gold medal winner, every Pulitzer Prize winner, every Nobel Prize winner um, had a complex brain. It comes with a slew of other problems as well. Uh, you can recognize patterns that a lot of people can't, um, but when that complexity is, let's say, applied to intimate relationships, uh, connection, emotionality, um, societal norms, it can get really, really confusing for the, for the high-functioning person. Um, normally it comes in a sense of chronic emptiness, loneliness, um, fear of real or imagined abandonment, uh, and it's really confusing because on the surface they have everything. On the surface they have everything. Money, wife, kids, endless, you know, endless capital and economics. That's not their issue. Uh, on the back end of that, they struggle with what other people would deem quote-unquote normal. They have a really, really hard time with expectation. Mm. When did you first yeah. discover this? Okay. Or was this, yeah. like a, was this a hindsight journey of, you know, you went down a path and then you kept looking backwards and you're like, oh, connect another dot, connect another dot? Or was it very intentional that you were like, I work really well with complex people? It was basically like that, Steve. It was basically like that. And um, it was definitely a, a, a slow uncovering as I went along. Because I, st- I still work with a lot of people. Like they're not, but the major- majority are that fit, it would fit into that category. Um, and then people on the fringes of that category. Where I first started to notice it, Steve, was I'd go, I was going back and forth from Brisbane to America, um, doing some just consulting work. Now, again, we'll start with the we'll stay with the complexity piece because they find people like that find themselves in business um that's just kind of where they end up so majority of what i do is with business owners and so in going back and forth from brisbane to america i found that all the people i would work with that were having a hard time with everyone else and let's just say their their team or their staff was having a hard time with them i just got them i was like oh man i totally you know i'm with you on that one and so this, it happened over and over and over again where it was kind of started to become undeniable. People that were attracted to me um, were just, they all had these really similar traits. And I, somehow, you know, there's something that I can see that solves a lot of problems for them. Hmm. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a, definitely a joining the dots thing on, on hindsight, more so, than, more so than picking the lane and going for it. I don't think I've ever done that. Mm. I don't think I've ever picked a lane and gone, this is who I am. I actually don't think it's up to you to pick what you're about. How so? Uh, if you pay close enough attention, it will be revealed for you. And I think that's where a lot of people will have a misstep is they, there's an, I think there's an inbuilt assumption that you should know what you are about and what you need to do. I think that's the biggest fallacy. Who says you're supposed to know what you're about and what you do? Yeah, you can test that. What's that? You can you can test that quite heavily. Um, oh, you can test. Yes. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, forget knowing what to do. Just experiment. Yeah, nice. How, and was this something that you figured yeah. out? Because we've had a number of conversations, Nat, and you said this was something that you realized from a young age you saw the world differently to what most do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would imagine you would go into many fields or you could go into any field or any industry and see the world differently, uh-huh. no matter what. Just depending on who you're around, you'll see things differently to the way they do. Yeah. Um, is that something that you've actually come to realize was true more recently? Or were you aware of this from a very early age, or has it been a mix of both? Yeah, mate, very recently. Um, and that was, again, the realization come through just a, just torture, like <laughs> torture of not 
not knowing what this was about, not knowing my place, not knowing why people didn't resonate with me, why people didn't like me, why my personal relationships sucked so bad, why that, why things were so volatile all the time. And because I knew I had really good, in, I had good intentions. There's not, I can't look back and go, I deliberately was set out to hurt people. I deliberately set out to, you know, piss people off. Mm. Um, so it, was, it took a lot of reflection to go, why are things always so volatile for me? I just don't know what's what's going on. Because I was constantly fighting this kind of these natural inclinations, mm. and so it was only on it was only in reflection where you start to where you start to see it all. Just like you said, Steve, it was um just in school having just you know really weird experiences early, early, early on, um, and just rationalizing them away. Mm. But when you when you look back, you ah yeah, that was a little different. Yes. <laughs> what were some of those experiences, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, so the first major one was on a golf course. I was fifteen. There was some there were some earlier ones before that have just um earlier ones were just really sensitive, like so sensitive to the environment around me. It was it was almost unbearable. Sensitive to um generosity, sensitive to care, sensitive to um nature, sensitive to music. Just this insane sensitivity that was almost too much to bear. And that's why you don't have good headphones. That explains it. The music sounds <laughs> too good in a, in a set of right? sound. Oh, way too sensitive. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Qantas headphones are the only ones that will work. Otherwise it blows <laughs> your brain up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Or Darcy, your headphones just put you in a place where I naturally sit. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your great headphones are my Qantas headphones, Darcy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so the fifteen year old uh, I was fifteen, I went for a walk on and I, I think where a big thing again around that age was I was never interested in um the, whatever what else was interested in. I was interested in Oh man, I was interested in books. I was interested in people. I was interested in, um, I was interested in my own kind of sense of ideas and things. I was really internal. Like I was really, really internal and introspective. The things and stuff didn't really light me up and think. And yeah. So anyway, we'll go back to the. I was fifteen, and I was went for a walk. Mum lived next to a golf course. Went for a walk on the golf course and was just kind of walking right down the middle of the fairway. And there's obviously it's green everywhere, and there's different shades of green, different parts of the golf course. And I could see the pin probably 300 meters away from me. Uh, and something happened where it was like I just exited my body and within a split second I was at the pin. I could look at the pin. I could look at the green. I went into the next hole and I almost did a lap of the golf course um, without my body. That was what it felt like. That's how I interpreted it. Hmm. There's the, the rush of energy I got after it was really, really crazy. I just started running because I was like, there's so much energy in my body. I don't know what to do. So I just started running wow. and I ran and ran and ran and ran and got to the, got to the green and kind of laid down on my back. It was just coming to nighttime. I was looking up at the stars and it was, it was just peace, peace and joy and, and, and overwhelm and, um, and an experience that's felt so satisfactory. I had no need to share it with anyone. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, that was that was cool. I'm just, I didn't feel the need to go. This happened and this happened. I was just like, oh, right, that's available to me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How, like yeah. you said before, you sort of rationalised it away. How how did you interpret that at that young age? Did you try and make any meaning of it? Ah, uh, no. That was the weird thing. It was so satisfactory. I didn't need any more. Didn't need any less. Didn't need to talk about it. Didn't need to explain it. It was just oh. Mm. yeah cool mm. yeah all it did all it did really was moving forward it gave me a sense of something else it's just something else yes mm. and then did you begin some sort of journey to discover what that might be 
or was it something else? No, it wasn't that profound. It, it wasn't a big kind of like earth shattering, you mm. know, change direction kind of thing. It was just like, oh, cool, I'll, you know. Yeah, it was very, as it was. It was enough yeah. kind of thing. And, and was it more of a was it more of a was it more of an awareness thing of like there's more there's more to this experience than just the surface level was it was that the kind of awareness that you had or what how would you describe it like what changed in you or your the way you saw the world around you there was a sense of there's more things there's more things that meets the eye and i wasn't in a rush to get back there i was like oh that's there for later (laughs) okay you parked it yeah yeah so that, that it really yeah, it really did contextualize everything that went on with like, you know, just school and university and, and playing lots of footy and stuff like that. I was like, oh, there's this other thing that I'm interested in. So it kind of contextualized everything from that point. Yeah. That makes a lot of Cause sense. Because I don't really worry. Like, I ne- yeah, I've never really been a big um, kind of got very low neuroticism. I don't really stress that. No, I don't know. It's just there's this – because there's this other thing there. That's, mm. how, that's how I made sense of it at the time. We- weird question for you. When you said you were highly sensitive as a kid uh-huh. – did like, you cry? Did you cry a lot as a kid? All the time, all the time. Movies, yeah, people, uh, pe- like people holding hands at school. Um, yeah. Um, caught caught up in my throat a lot. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about this the other day, Das, because we we kind of. I, I'm I'm actually seeing this in my youngest daughter, uh, Nora. Oh, nice. And uh, she's highly Nora. sensitive. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ve- yeah, Nora Clayton, massive five year old. Um, as in, Massey, she's a, yeah, she's a really uh, big she, five-year-old. Shout out, Nora. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's tiny. She's tiny, but she's 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 a massive legend. Anyway, I see a lot of it. it kind of took me back because she she cries a lot, but it's mostly from um, that same sensitivity. Like so much so that she'll uh-huh. hear a nice piece of music and it's got a crescendo building, yep. and she'll just start like welling up in yeah. her eyes and be like, "I don't know what yep. I'm crying, but I just feel mm. I feel this." Um, and yeah, it yeah, to yeah, me yeah, like yeah, I cried, cool. I cried so much as a kid, and I didn't even know why. Like it'd just be like, uh-huh. oh, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, feeling this. And similar to you, I grew up with like you know spiritual experiences that I was like, whoa, uh-huh. what was that? There's a whole new thing underneath the surface here. But I think I did something yep. similar to you. I think I just kind of parked and was like, okay, well, that's that, um, and went on with life. So that's it's really interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't yeah, really yeah. spoken to someone about it, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's particularly unique. I do think it's available to everyone. Do you think? Do you think it is yeah. typically experienced by a lot of people, but they wouldn't necessarily bring it up in the modern world, in the modern Western world? Bingo. Yep. You got it. You got it, Dust. Mm. Right, right on. So shout out to the cries out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure, for sure. No, that's fascinating. Matt, you got a question? Oh, I must have been a heartless bastard because I didn't cry at all. <laughs> you didn't cry at all? No, no. Oh, look, it's available to everyone, it's available. Matt can, says. Yeah, yeah we, <laughs> got, we got Matt's bucks um, this Saturday coming up and our, our aim is to make him yes, cry. We've, that's just, be we've great. discovered our objective. <laughs> done, done. <laughs> yeah, I think it's available to everyone, but I think people are certainly uh, wired up to experience it more. Or it's more available. Or, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. You got a question, Matt? Yeah, well, because you you mentioned that you thought it might work to like interlace them throughout episodes, and since yeah. we we're on this topic, it reminded me of one of the questions we've been sent in. So I thought I'd bring it up. Right. So we got we got we got our audience that submits questions to us every week. Awesome, uh, right. Matt, and and then we reintroduce those questions and with new guests, and it's just this cool. big community of people having chats. It's pretty cool. cool. So 
Love to love to hear some thoughts. Let's let's thrash some of them out, man. Uh, so this was another one from Arnold, um, who who asked, "Do you have a logical explanation for déjà vu?" Oof. Uh, logical, no. No. <laughs> a post-rational, yes. Or like, yeah, and then <laughs> he he follows it by just saying, like, use personal examples to sustain your explanation. Yeah. Which I thought we were kind of on that train. We were touching there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Um, so the phenomenon of deja vu is being ex- kind of explained away by psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, new um, researchers as epiphenomena of the brain, um, which, again, is you can explain anything to that <laughs> if you want to. It's kind of a boring yeah. example too, a really, really boring example. The, because it's it reduces everything to phenomena of neurons, um, which kind of leaves you nowhere to go. Mm. Another explanation I've heard of of déjà vu is in a post rational way to view it is we're gonna get we're gonna go right there. Is that cool? <laughs> oh yeah, we want it, we want to send yeah, we just want to go send for it. it mate, yeah, 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 send it. Yeah. Okay. What okay. did it take? It took it took, <laughs> it took about twenty two yeah. minutes, but we got there. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you always got to always got to approach these styles of metaphysical conversations with just an air of caution, because who really knows? You know? Yes. And so it's not like there's an authority on metaphysics. Um, but in my personal experience, it seems it appears to me that time, space, and self are one, are one location. Just appears to me, because if you have if you have a timeless moment, then you have a selfless moment or a spaceless moment. If you have a spaceless moment, you have a selfless moment. Um, if you, when you, when time dilates, self dilates. You can't have one without the other. You can't be really self-conscious and and say, "Oh, you know, time did funny things." You'll never ever have that experience. Time, space, self, and thought. If one gets wobbly, they all get wobbly. Mm-hmm. Which, again, it, it's it's confirmation. Again, it's partial confirmation of the fact that. The sense of self or I or relative self or small self is just a phase along the path. It's not the whole enchilada. Mm-hmm. So as I said, you did not that long ago, you know, you were around before you could think, which means you'll be around after you can think. Mm. It's just not this self-contraction, which then if we circle back to deja vu, that opens up the conversation of everything happening, happening at once. Just There's just the moment. Mm. And, and again, I, I, I urge caution on the on these conversations because I, I don't like them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've really expressed a lot of caution with these conversations, but but there is something to be said for the pre-rational, the rational, and the post-rational or trans-rational, which is this mode of mode of being that is timeless, selfless, spaceless, where everything actually is happening at once at one time. Yeah, and that kind of makes sense. So that... Another kind of roundabout way to account for déjà vu. Is a is a lapse a lapse in realms like a um, think about it as the post rational leaking into the rational, and you get a a kind of blip. Yeah. So, no personal experiences then. Oh yeah, all the time of deja vu. Oh okay. Um, a, a personal one. Okay, so so here's one. I sat with a I sat with a woman. I went to meet her. I was having just a, a rough time of things, so I walked in. <clears throat> I walked in. And you know the the common deja vu rush, like the rush in the chest and the and the it feels like there's like a a warp in the room, mm. like a, some some things like bent a little bit, 
uh, is if you kind of look through broken glasses, it's kind of the experience you get. Like the texture gets fractured mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you get that wo- that wobble of deja vu. So I walked in. I walked in and that happened. And I'd never met this woman before, ever. And she turns around at me. She goes, and I, she, I was clearly distressed. Sat down in the lounge and she looks at me and she goes, oh, you're missing your love, aren't you? And I was like, it, I erupted in tears because my partner at the time, we'd been together for a year. She had spent, she was spending two months in America mm-hmm. and we're probably like a month in. And I was just, you know, coming to terms with kind of mi- missing, missing that kind of crucial part of me. Uh, and she's just picked me straight off the bat right before I had that really strong, like kind of deja vu wobble. Mm. And then the first thing she, the first, I kind of erupted in, in this kind of, you know, it's very emotional. And she, when she said, you know, you're missing your love, aren't you? I was like, well, yeah. And she goes, oh, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. You guys do this over and over. <laughs> so that was, she kind of insinuated that we've been together before and this is part of just what we do in each of our go-rounds. Yeah, wow. Fascinating. I'll never forget that, um, I'll never forget that Germany, that Germany train. I was going to bring that up because you got a pretty good one. Yeah, I had the most profound deja vu experience uh, when we went to Germany to film the documentary, the project principal, Das, Matt, myself, had a ball. A uh, big part of that was going back and finding awesome. uh, like family history, like where did I come from? Because I was on the journey of self-awareness and I thought, I thought to take a fairly practical approach to self-awareness, which would be cool. I am made up of the DNA of my, you know, my grandparents and the grandparents <laughs> and the grandparents. So why not maybe explore who they were? Because if yep. I could find Perfect. out who they were, I'm naturally going to find out a little bit about myself. Anyway, we end up in Germany. We went to uh, we went uh, east. I think it was east of Berlin to a small town called Brandenburg, and that's where a lot of my family mm-hmm. grew up in Brandenburg. Cool. And so we were, we were hunting around the town and that sort of stuff. Essentially, I was looking for the gravesite of my fifth great grandfather, which was as far as we could trace back. Um, didn't find it, but anyway, it was a cool experience. But on the way home, we jumped on this train. And I'm writing the book at the same time. We're writing a book and filming a documentary at the same time. Cool. And uh, I just looked up and, you know, deja vu normally lasts like a number of seconds. But, uh-huh. you know, normally it's like, oh, wow, I've been here before. But by the time you've got to that realization, it's normally gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, cognitive thinking is so slow compared to everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this was like 30 or 40 seconds of being in that complete deja awesome. vu. Wobble. Yeah, unreal. Um, unreal. We drove past this train station. I remember having a dream of this exact train station when I would have been probably only 12 years old. Uh-huh. Exactly the same style. Yeah, unreal. They had this black old steam engine that was parked beside it. And I remember as a, in the dream, I was wearing old clothes, like what, look, what would have been old European clothes, you know, yeah, all the button-up yeah, yeah, shirts yeah. and the whole like little hat. And, yeah, cool. And I was running along the train station like I was going to miss it. I was going to miss it. I was missing this train and the train was the black steam engine. Oh, wow. And when I went past there, all that, my, my body and mind and whatever soul was screaming at me like, you've been here before, you've been here before, you've <laughs> yeah. been here before. And I'm like. <laughs> Unreal. I remember Matt looked at me and he's like, whoa. And I was just like, unbelievable. And then I was just like, I had this theory. I haven't done much research past it. Other than I think, I think some professor did it with, with rats. Um, but 
the, the possibility of DNA carrying memories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a study out there where they had like four generations of rats and they used to like shock, like shock them, give them a pain response on a certain location of this pen sort of thing. Like if they stood there, you'll get hurt. And they did that for like four generations of rat. But what they found was the fifth generation of rat didn't yeah. have to stand on it, but the same pain receptor went off yeah. in its head. Yep. Almost like the DNA was like, the DNA was like, this will hurt you. Trust us. You've, you know, you've uh, yeah. done, that, done this <laughs> Trust before. us. Um, I kind of I like the... Th- I kind of like the the theory of, you know, DNA holding memories because it kind of half explains how we seem to turn into our parents even if we don't want to. Um, but it also it also <laughs> points back... Rupert Sheldrake is the master of this field. Okay, I'll have to check him out. Um, but it's interesting in like... Yeah, morphic, morphic resonance is his theory. Okay, I'll have to read it, yeah. It's a great teenage band name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a great teenage band. <laughs> That's so good. But to me, it actually points to the... To the the possibility or at least the the appropriate aim of personal responsibility because you know if if perhaps you know dna d- does carry memories or at least you know shapes the world that we live in mm-hmm. well, maybe i should make some good decisions for my great 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 grandkids you know <laughs> it's i think maybe you're correct Steve. <laughs> <laughs> something like that but that's a that's a possibility what if dna what was the name of that guy again who did this morphic sheldrake yeah. Okay. Morphic resonance is his theory. Yeah. Okay. Get into check it. That out. You could just play Assassin's Creed as well. Is that what that is? That's what that whole game series is about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So you can either choose to study the literature yeah. or you could play Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Same outcome. Exactly. Exactly. It's not like games teach anyone anything mm. though, you know? Yeah. So sales game, sales game, sales game, sales game, sales game. Sales game. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the sales game. Honestly, fellas, I played it. How was your experience, Nat? Mate, mate, it's just ridiculous. I can't shut up about it. I absolutely can't shut up about it. I loved it. What'd you love? Tell us more. How was your experience? Yeah, I'm still, tr- I'm still playing it. I'm still playing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, where, uh, how was my experience? It was. The game suited me, I think. So that first, first off the bat, I think the game suited me. Um, limited, limited boundaries, um, freedom, freedom to ask, uh, and it was yeah. I was a kid in a candy shop. I was just going. I took it you know, to so many different levels yes. because why not? Mm. Uh, and then the the most fascinating thing about that was seeing the response in the other players in the room. The resp- how they responded to me, how they responded to the game, um, just paying close attention to the way they moved. So the interesting thing is you could see other players' financial position and the way they moved. Based on those variables, you can basically predict what they're going to do. Mm. So without giving too much away, um, yeah, without giving too much away, it's you could follow the financial flow of people and basically predict where they were going to end up based on the fundamental assumption of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so I played that off against itself and loved it. Had a great time. World record holder as we currently speak. Yeah, the most chips ever generated. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see an all-stars game. Like once we've played I this know. enough, I'd love to see... I'd love to see oh, Nat... That would I'd love be to see Nat go toe-to-toe unreal. with Dale Dupree yes. in, in Orlando. Oh, mate. 
yeah, would be an all-stars that, game. Matt, Matt Dale Simon. Degree, Simon Anderson. Yeah. yeah. Christine Boucher. Uh, Christine, that yeah. Would be, yeah. That would be a ripper. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah. We should put that together a in a couple Royal of years' Rumble. time. The sales game all stars, <laughs> and it's just a, it's just a, it's just a beast of a beast of a room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is interesting. It is when yeah, you, you guys when, are onto it. When you, you said it suited you, what, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Uh, how wide? How wide? Well, the limited rules. Yeah, it suited me because it suited me because everyone started with the same certainties. If they wanted to look at them, everyone started with the same certainties, right? Time, currency, uh, and there's another one. Well, yeah, we can, I mean, I'm sure you guys don't mind, but there's tax. tax yeah. Yeah, we can say. Yeah, there's time, currency, tax, number of people in the room. And then go for it. Have at it. It's like if you, can, if you can figure that, if you can see those for what they are and you get beyond your personal experience of it, you're, you're in. You're, it's one. You're done. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So what looks what looks like you can't you actually can manipulate those things. I mean, if you got your head screwed on properly, you can manipulate those things mm. um, with leverage and positioning, just like you taught Steve. It is a different it is a different way to see it, though, isn't it? Because but, it, you yeah. know, I think for those that don't know the game, it's a it's a very well, particularly when it starts. There's essentially no rules. It's the basic mechanic is whoever has the most chips at the end wins. There are no mechanics. Whoever yeah. has the least loses. You can do whatever you want to try and accumulate more chips. And then we say the magic words of go. And then everyone normally just looks at each other like, well, how the heck do we do that? And that's when the game begins. But yeah, I think it's yeah, interesting yeah. that you picked up that there is a lot of depth to the simplicity of it, but it requires you to think laterally and, 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 and strategically, yep. uh, which is fun. Man, I was obsessive. I was absolutely obsessed. I'm a psychopath. That's what I am. <laughs> I was it, this fucking game didn't let me go. Hey, anyone listening to this, I don't care if this listen to it now or later. Just track these guys down and give mm. them your money. Just <laughs> play the stupid game and play it. Play the stupid yeah. game. Play it like we'll, your life depends on it. Website. It's stupid dot game. Come and play the stupid game. <laughs> yeah, www.stupid.game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that domain is available. I'm the hardest sell in the world. I don't buy anything. I'd l- I'm, literally, I do not buy anything. I buy food and a place to live. I don't buy anything. But, man, this, like, I've not talked about something so much than this game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Like, everyone just go buy this and you'll be sweet. Uh, yeah. You're a legend. Hey, hey, Nat, I'd love to um, touch on something here that the, the game relates to. And obviously this podca- podcast is called The Pursuit of Love. Uh-huh. Uh, and one of the things that gets in the way of people pursuing their love is the fact that they, in their minds, need to make money. Like money, you know, money can get in the uh-huh. way of that. If money weren't a thing, I would. I would I would paint that picture. I would start that venture. I would do whatever it is, you know. Uh, how has money yep. Yep. sort of interacted with your life along the journey? And, <laughs> That's and a how really has your, good question. Your, your perception of it changed? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, first of all, I'll start with the game. Um, that what one piece I loved about it was that it's so not personal. It's so not personal. Um, and if you take it personally, you're dead in the water Hmm. you know and man people that idea of taking it personally and money is just like man it's just like cancer in people's psyche eh? like the Hmm. the 
their emotional system is intertwined with that damn currency um, that it's just destroying people. It's, it is partly hilarious because <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just like you're so buckled up because of this fake, and fake money. I wonder what you like with real money that they couldn't yeah. do anything with it. They couldn't see it for what it is. They couldn't leverage it. They couldn't use it. This crazy idea. So, again, we'll talk about time because self, time, space, and you could even put money in that conversation. The greater your self-consciousness or experience of yourself, the tighter you are with money. That's like a dynamic, and you could see it flat out. It's like the higher you are in neuroticism, which is emotional volatility and withdrawal, the tighter you'll hang on to money. And you'll find it really hard to accept it. You'll find it really hard to create value. Um, so they're not separate things. Self and money are not separate, not even close. How so? Go a little bit deeper on that because I think this is a I, – I really want to fall down this rabbit hole because I think everyone listening to this podcast will understand self and will understand money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think we do enough deep diving into the relationship between the two. Yeah. Okay. People, got their, people have their cause and effect either completely wrong or – or just don't understand it clear enough. <clears throat> we look out, you know, we look out into the world and we see people that are either financially, you know, they've, they've either got it sorted or, you know, we just see things that we want and go, oh, wow, I'd like to have that. So the, the immediate thought is I need to go do something to generate a value of that much to then go purchase that thing. Anyone who has things and stuff at high levels, don't think that way. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, it's actually the reverse. The, nat- the, natural, the natural production of value will emanate from who you are. So go to work on who you are. If you get it around the wrong way, you, you're, you're done, mm. mate. You're absolutely cooked. It's just, and it's, it's so hard to get your head around. It's because, but again, our, our visual system is so linked to the way we manage the world, that if we look outside and see a person running along the road kicks a football, then we see person kicks football, football goes into the air, A plus B equals C. We naturally link that dynamic to I need to go make money, so I need to go do that thing to get that amount of money Mm. to go buy that thing. Yes, Newtonian, as you say. Yeah, the third-person reality of Newtonian laws of science um, do not operate in the world of interiors, mm-hmm. completely different. If there was one thing I could like leave everyone, it would be that idea. It would be get your, you know, the way you produce things around the right way. So, for example, in the, in the game, not once did I think about, and Steve, this might be interesting, but not once did I think about how can I produce value. Mm. I, I didn't think about because you know, if you the rounds. There's no point in the sales game. There's no point winning the rounds. It means nothing in the grand scheme of things. Mm. So, well, then what do you what do you replace it with? Uh, again, it shows up in the game. It's why I'm such a big advocate of it. Is like we we feel we have so much control. So the goal is whoever wins, whoever gets the most chips at the end wins. Then people's natural inclination is go generate chips. Like, no, that wasn't the rule. The rule was whoever's got the most at the end wins. Mm. Why do you, did you go straight away to need to go generate chips? Mm. Interesting. And so do you see that play out in, in real life as well? Steve, all the time. 
all of the time. Um, if you're not cognizant of time frames, every, the whole context of your life changes. Go on. You know, if, so someone will go, um, I, I, need, I need money. I need to go make money. Well, okay. You know, why? Well, I need to live. Fair enough. Do you need to live for a week, a year, 10 years? What's the time frame on? It changes everything. If you only think you, if you're thinking, oh, I need to live for a week, then things are going to be really, really stressful. But if you go, I need to figure out a way to live for a lifetime, that's a very different conversation you've got to have with yourself. Hmm. Right. So it sounds like it's not, not, it's not just the order of things, but also the context that's created around Bingo, it. So Steve. the order of things Bingo. is work on, work on who, you, work on who you are. Yes. And then money, money, money will flow as a byproduct of that. And yes. then also when it's placed into a context, that's appropriate. But, oh, no, that's it. That's it. You can't escape. It's, it. People are running around and like it's believing there's some sort of repellent to money. It's like even if you, try, if, even if you, tried, if you tried to not make money, you would still end up with money. It's, in, it's embedded in everything. <laughs> like so... <laughs> Yeah, that's an experiment. Go try not to make money. You'll end up with it somehow. <laughs> Won't be much you, because you can't not. You can't not. It's in the economy. Even if you kept pushing it away from people, it would somehow show up in your world. Mm. So, um, again, I'll go back to the game. Is like people couldn't get out of their own way. And there's a, there again, Das, we spoke about it a lot, This um, the idea of, you know, just the idea of control. I need to go produce all this value so then I'm worthy and I get the money. God, that's just a stressful way to live. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so one thing that I found interesting, Nat, that you're just talking about this, and I think this would be an interesting thing to have a discussion about. Huh? Uh, so for those that don't know, the currency that Nat's talking about in the game is the chips. We kind of play with our own poker chips. Huh? Uh, they represent, I suppose, money or influence or power, whatever people see it as. Um, but it is interesting because we do find the same emotional responses as if they were real. <laughs> you know, some people get so caught up in either having more chips yeah, or less chips. I love it. Yep. But it's just, I've never really considered that that is just a manufactured currency, but it's interesting that we still place the same level of importance or, you know, we make them mean so much about us. You know, we've had... Have people really, really go through it? Yes, that's what I was talking about before, Steve. The connection of self and currency. Like you can't pry, you know, you can pry those two apart, but it's you know takes some takes some pretty hefty work. Mm. And you'll see the people that are always, always financially well off, or they've got a really solid plan, or somehow they always have money, is they have pried those two apart. There's a clear boundary between self and currency and the way the, the dynamics of currency. Here's the things that impact the way your money flows, right? Top down, government of the day, the economy of the country, geographical location, you know, what you do for work, where you're positioned in the wherever, as you said, mm -hmm. Steve. Um, how valuable are you to that little place and time? Uh, and how much, are you, how much are you investing in the future? All of those variables determine what you have in your bank account right now. So to get that confused with yourself is just pain. It's just painful. Mm. It's interesting. So what is the journey that people go on to pry away self from money? 
Yeah, re- yeah, really, really good, really good question. Um, in the first place is what you're attached to. You know, these things that you've convinced yourself that you need. Well, I should, no, I need my coffee every day, you know. Well, I need this, I need to do that, I need to have these holidays. Um, maybe, you know, may- maybe at this time right now you do, but you certainly don't at a deeper level. Mm. And then the, the question becomes why are you held together so much by things you don't need? Like that's the question. Why are these things that I literally do not need? Why that? Why do they hold me together so much? What What is the short term soothing benefit I'm getting from these things that are actually leaking my money away? Um, you know, these little attachments that tend to eat away at people's bank accounts without them knowing uh, is the same reason why they feel so attached to their money. It's because short term satisfaction is that's a big part of it. Short term satisfaction is easily more easily obtainable than long term satisfaction. Yeah, and again, the, the struggle with that that is in this part of the work that I do with people is short term gratification um, creates a positive feedback loop that that's an okay thing to do. So if I can just keep doing that over and over, I don't need to do anything else. The the cost this is a giant cost too, and it's the biggest. I think it's the biggest cost that I've got, managed to get a crowbar under and kind of manage is the more you the the more you choose expediency and short-term pleasure the more you actually damage the part of you that finds the meaningful path so there's no bigger cost than that it 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 should turn people off short-term expediency immediately Hmm. um that if, if you if that really hits you yeah everything will change the more you choose the short term easy option the more you damage the part of you that finds what's truly meaningful for you and that you're a master at without trying. Hmm. Is there any form of short-term gratification that's actually good for you? Yeah, self-discovery. Kit Kats. <laughs> <laughs> self-discovery. Yeah, right. Well, it's kind of it's kind of dual though, isn't it? it it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a win in the short and it's a win in the long. Short it's the, it's the perfect short, medium and long-term strategy. It's good for you, it's good for others, it's good now, it's good in the future and it'll be good for who, what you leave behind. And when you say self-discovery, you mean things like meditation, mm. putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, yeah. overcoming them. What's 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 self discovery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good question again. Um, two versions of it, I suppose. Two pathways. We'll start there and kind of work our way in. Um, the contemplative, the contemplative pathway of the east, looking in um, into states of being, is one way. Um, but I'll, but I'll premise that with the identification of self, which self, which self are you talking about? Um, that's trying to find, you know, ultimate self. Let's just call it that. That hangs out in the East. Plenty of meditative schools know what they're talking about. They've got all maps, all the maps and plans and stuff there for you to do that. In the West, it's a little different. Self-discovery for us in the West is, is trying to shine a light on the way you see the world over and over and over again. So they're, they're two very different ways. Um, they converge at the top end and actually start to coexist together, but early on they don't seem to coexist together. Um, again, to kind of give you a conception of that is the path in of contemplative states um, leads to emptiness, not in a bad way, in a good way, in a really cool way. The, the, the trouble is, Das and Steve, that the path out is always growing. So the world is getting more complex. People are getting more complex. There is a natural evolution out. So the path out is getting longer. But the path in stays exactly the same length. Mm. 
So fulfillment is getting fulfillment looking out into the world of complexity is getting harder because there's more we need to manage. There's just more. Mm. But going in is exactly the same as it was now as it was 2,000 years ago. So the nature of change is changing. Mm. So you're saying going in is easier than going out. Absolutely it is. Right. You can do it any time of the day, anywhere you are, and it becomes really dangerous because once you get skilled at it, you can actually exit the world. Hence why they end up being somewhat nihilistic or at least they approach the world in a somewhat nihilistic it, way sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. I don't need to do any responsibility stuff because I can just sit on the mat and go in for 10 minutes and everything's perfect. I can manufacture my own world, so why would I want yes. to exist in the, the real one? Exactly, Stephen. When I'm running my workshops, what I'll say to people is that you, you, you've got to do both. If you just get it, if you become a master of going in, it's like saying, well, I don't believe in black vans coming from the left. Mm. That's okay. So you're going to step out in the road and see a red motorbike and a white car, and then you're going to get nailed by a black van coming from the left and go, I don't know what happened. I didn't, I didn't know, you know, <laughs> what, what's taxes, blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, you're a goose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I know, but I know myself. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's the, that's, Interesting. That's the kind of um, impasses that I'm finding are helping people a lot. Really introspective, complex people. That puts it in. That puts it into context. Yeah, running into these challenges. One of the best. One of the best things I ever learned, Nat, was, and you taught me this, Nat, was the idea that it's all about uh, one thing emerges from another. What a lot of people do with education and learning, and that this comes straight from your mouth. I just, you know, I'm just going verbatim here, but uh, is this whole idea that people swap out one learning from another. Yep. Uh, I, I used to believe this, now I believe that. Yes. Or I used to learn it this way, I've realized that's wrong now, now I do it the right way. Yes. When in actual fact, that's not the case. They emerge from each uh -huh. other similar to how a paragraph emerges from sentences and a story emerges from paragraphs. Yes. They build on top of each other. I think that Perfect model of seeing it is just, that's game changing. That yeah. is game changing for people. Yeah. You know what else, what else mm. it does? Is it allows you to... I won't say, um, I don't have like forgive yourself for past mistakes, but just value all, every single one of your previous experiences. Bingo. Because you go, yeah, well, that, uh, that built upon to where I am today. Yes. Not that was wrong back when I was 22 and now I do it the right way. Yeah. It's like, no, you needed that experience at 22 to build uh -huh. upon it to get to where you are now. Yeah. yeah. I think that's bloody brilliant. Well, I think the other thing that, that would be good for humanity at large is, is what it seems to do. If 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 everyone thought that way, I think it would actually bring people closer together because it's That's essentially it's saying that, you know, it's always that common thing of the the East versus the West, uh -huh. uh, science v religion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, like, but perhaps they all all are kind of glued together in perfect tension. They're just uh -huh. slightly different perspectives on the same the same sort of ideas or the same sort of. You know, yeah. for me, that's why I'm on the on the quest quest for for truth, or or to be able to at least see reality for what it is, rather than a a strange distortion. It yeah. seems to be that you can learn from everyone and anyone, regardless of what perspective they're on, because it might highlight certain certain areas. Um, but I really like what you're saying there, as far as pointing in or pointing out. But the the pointing out is hard because it ever yep. increases in its ever complexity. Yep. That's yep. that's very interesting. Yeah, and you guys are you know you guys are right on the pulse here. It's like no every any every person 
on the planet, right? Well, I'll start again. No mind can ever produce 100% error. No mind at all. So mm. that, that is enough to contemplate on for 100 years, you know. It's like, well, that means there's this whole human existence thing or human experience now has a grounds to be understandable, explainable, um, and it will recontextualize therapeutic conversations, it will recontextualize performance conversations, it will recontextualize business um, if we understand, if we start to understand emerging properties. Natural things don't grow by, by addition. You, know, you don't see anything out there in nature growing by one thing stacking on top of the next. It would, everything would just fall over. Yet for some reason, that's how we want to grow our families, grow our business. You just get one sale on top of the next, get one, you know, one house on top of the next. It's like, no, if you slow down and actually pay attention, mm. things grow in nature through emerging properties. Something emerges out of what was and then maintains what was. It doesn't boot it out. Mm. So this idea of you or, you know, if we start with, well, it's not, it's not the conversation now, but there's multiple selves of you that are developing through time. And it doesn't take a genius to see that when you're angry or upset or hungry, you're actually a different self. You're not you're saying when you don't have a Snickers. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> there was one day I was sitting in Mullum Bimby and I was sitting there eating some food and Mullum's that kind of like intersection of just, you know, interesting. It's an intersection of interesting. Uh, and this... Cl- it's an intersection of Melbourne. <laughs> this guy was walking across the crossing and just looked like he had it sorted. No shoes, no shirt, stoked on life, bronze as hell, just like clearly did like a lot of push-ups because he couldn't afford a gym membership. Um, but just like, man, you're onto something. <laughs> and across the crossing in this kind of stereotypical way, there was this guy who was tight, had a suit on, it was kind of hot, had the briefcase, had the kind of London stroll happening. Um, you know, it was, he looked purpose-driven. Uh, you know, he definitely had spreadsheets in his folder. And th- they, these two people crossed and I was like, and I was looking at, I was watching going, man, what's going on here? Like, which one would I be? That was the question. Which one would I be? Like, oh, shit, I can see myself in both of them. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I was like, you know what? They're actually playing the same game. They both think they have it right. They're on different ends of the spectrum. And they both think they have it right. Mm. And so both of them are right. I was like, oh, there's more than just one right. Mm-hmm. And that was a, you know, that was huge for me, that, that little moment. That's what kind of sent me on the idea of going, okay, well, you know, we don't grow in left and right. We grow in up and down. Mm-hmm. And, and things are still in play from time, from time ago. And a challenge you're going to throw my clients as well is like, I want you to contextualize contradiction into an up and down, not a left and right. And that is a game changer for people. Game changer. Because it doesn't become about morality then. It doesn't come, become about... Go on. Um, so Example. Like, let's just say conflicts at work. Let's say someone is being, someone is being authoritarian, protective, and honoring the group. Let's just say someone's doing that. They're being, you know, they're just protecting their crew with a lot of honor, and they're, they're sticking to their principles, and they're not really civilized, but that's okay because it's about honor. Then someone is being, then someone is being really rational. You know, they're mm. saying, well, you know, We've got some bad feedback. We need to change some things. Um, we've got, we're leaking somewhere because our bottom line shouldn't be this. Um, it's all good. Let's just play with the data. So one, two. And the third person is um, just trying to make sure the group's okay. There's consensus. 
everyone is being looked after, everyone's voice is being heard. All right, so what we have here is we have warrior, scientist, humanitarian. Now, everyone listening, you can play this at home. Everyone inside us right now, you have your warrior, you have your rational scientist, and you have your humanitarian. They will consistently, there'll be conflict with them till day's end. Their war will not be solved because there'll be a contradiction between the noble warrior, the scientist, and the sensitive humanitarian because it's everyone of every culture studied over 150 psychological development models moves through those stages. It's not a personal thing. And they're all right. All of them are correct. This isn't a wrong or right. All of them have their place. They all have their dignities. They all have their disasters. Mm. But you know what it's like, fellas, when you're, you know, you might be extra sensitive one day and some rational dickhead in your group is like, oh, just sharpen up, mate. You know, go sort it out. You know what to do. <laughs> like, this is the clear answer. And you're like, oh, can you just listen to me? I just want someone to listen to me and hold me. <laughs> mm. Mm. And none of, none of them are incorrect. Um, but understanding where they fit on a natural hierarchy, and that word can be upsetting for some people, um, where they fit on a natural hierarchy means they can all be correct. And, man, what I see in blokes, which kills me, is they've been belted over the head with anything warrior-esque or aggressive is wrong. Mm. And so people actually shut down an entire self mm. of a, a male that has access to his warrior or his, you know, his strength or his courage or his protection for his family. And and it, it just it manifests in pathology. It's not just, oh, he's just, you know, being calm. The warrior is here for everyone to use to protect themselves and to protect their family. And if you can't mm. access that because of something, it turns into pathology. It doesn't turn into calm. It turns into disease. Mm-hmm. Anyway. No, you got me fired up. So why do they go? No, I love this. So why do they go on the journey of shutting them down? Because they believe for one that they're mutually exclusive. For one to be right, the other must be wrong. Is that what happens? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a moral thing, Steve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a, well, they've been they've been bashed by it. You know, they they might have been aggressive before, or and and they've been shut down through whatever reason, um, and it creates a rule that oh, well, that must be bad. I can't access that then. Mm. and it's so incorrect like it's just utterly utterly incorrect and that happens at every level like it happens at every goddamn level Mm. um that's why you'll see at large like at that kind of warrior level that mythic level um you'll see religions the top 11 religions kind of go into war with each other um not because out of anything but of that righteous spirituality Mm. if you're not in this group then you're an enemy Mm. That has nothing to do with religion. It's got everything to do with the developmental level of the human being inside of it. Mm. So that idea of this is the truth and everyone else is wrong is prevalent in the gospel church. It's prevalent in white nationalists. It's prevalent in gangs on the street. You, they're all in the same camp. Mm. It's the it's. So where does one whatever dis- level you where does yeah go for a second. Sorry, go on. Uh, it, what when you're at that level of development, whatever rhetoric speaks to you based on your experience determines what group you end up in. If you're at that developmental level, the rhetoric of gang, the rhetoric of nationalism, the rhetoric of religion, whatever speaks to your heart, hmm. that's the group you'll be sucked to. But we need all three. That's the point. Yeah, well, there's yeah. eight online so far, but, but the three the, the three the middle. Need all three to be whole. And this is where people go from that, that group mentality, then they click into this really nice, rational, scientific, self-esteem achievement mode 
um, which is quite powerful, feels quite good. Uh, and then, okay, here's a classic example. Here's a mm-hmm. belter. So the new atheists, you know, the, the four horsemen. Mm-hmm. I was in like Sam Harris. Dan Dennett, yeah, um, yeah. Harris. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, 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 mate. I love watching those guys because they are they're deeply rational, right? Um, and they, they cherry pick the religious arguments. So it's so easy to argue against religion when your choice of argument is like, well, people can't walk on water, so religion's false. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God, a three-year-old can argue that. Case closed. Uh, <laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> YouTube subscribers up. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, what the challenge is is like you've got these guys that are intellects, they're walking intellects. Now they will have, they will have religious and spiritual emerging properties happening in them, no doubt. And instead of going, there's more to me, and there's more to this, they just try and destroy it out there in the world. Mm. It's like, it's so obvious. Mm. Like you guys are coming, you guys are you know public intellectuals. If you were to embrace transpersonal experience or science in a new way, you would lose that public perception of public intellectual. And the money in their bank account. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so they cherry pick these religious arguments that are so goddamn easy. Hmm. Where do you, uh, as, a, as a man that has a, is incredibly good at seeing patterns and predicting, where do you see, where do you see humanity going and this is a very vague question, so take it however you want. But yeah, where do you yep. see humanity going at large over the next? Let's let's put a timestamp of the next five years, because I'd say that the last five years have been yep. incredible mm. to see the world change. I was talking to Das about this lately. I think like um, yeah, spiritual. Uh, what did you guys land on? Spir- well, the last five years, just me personally, I've noticed that spiritual conversations have become so much more widely uh-huh. accepted uh, as as a as a yep. as a point of discussion. Uh-huh. Um, things that used to be taboo have, have have now switched. You know, talking about religion used to almost be taboo, but now it's almost like completely acceptable mm-hmm. to talk about religion. But what's taboo is to talk about hierarchy. You know, like it's like it seems like all of these things <laughs> yeah, that yeah, you know yeah. used, to, used to be okay talking <laughs> about has now like almost been completely flipped in a one eighty. You know, uh, we we can't talk about men and yes. women now. We have to talk about you know everything under the sun. Um, but we can, we can, we can, we can host a, we can host a 2000 person sellout of an (laughs) atheist eh? going toe to toe with someone that believes in religion. And that's a, that's a, that's a mad hit, you know, like five years ago, that was not a mad hit, you know, Mm. even Jordan Peterson as an entity, Jordan Peterson as an entity who, if you said to me five or 10 years ago, Hey, there was going to be a lecturer yeah. that was kind of weedy, yeah. skinny, yeah, yeah, yeah. he only ever had meat. <laughs> and he talked about highly, yeah. highly intellectual topics and he would be a world yeah. world hit. Uh, you'd be like, yeah. you're out of your brain. What are you talking about? So I was just curious, like, let's, uh, let's have some uh-huh. fun here. What, what do you see uh-huh. happening emerging over the next five years? What, what conversation will we, will we be having where we go, Hey, I, I didn't think we'd be talking about yeah. this, but this um, is kind of normal now. I think, well, let's start with this. I'll start with the idea of spirituality because, Steve, what has become okay is spiritual intelligence, not spiritual experience. Um, so people, ne- people have a spiritual intelligence, mm. which is essentially a vocab or a context to talk about, to talk about big questions. 
so, mate, it has. I think it has become one of the biggest farces going is the pseudo-spiritual conversation um, because people have a vocab about it now. It becomes an identity much like everything else can come, become an identity and it, it, is, it can keep you stuck. It will actually be the thing that keeps people stuck is the spiritual, this self-claimed spiritual dude or gal um, because they've got some sort of vocab about it now. It is not first-person spiritual experience because uh, spiritual experience is terrifying. It's terrifying. Mm. You don't want to talk about it that much. Um, it's mm. deeply it's challenging to the soul. It's challenging to, to your core. Mm. Uh, so back to the question of what, what I think is going to happen, I, I think things are going to get hellish for a little while. Um, and the reason why I say that is because of our ability to deconstruct. So our ability to... We deconstructed the natural world and found the sciences, which was awesome. Um, and then people went, well, let's capitalize on this deconstruction and start using the world resources for our gain. And in the, in the play of all things, people that, here's the thing, like in, the, in that kind of rational space, some people will thrive there and love it. Some people won't be able to keep up. Some people just don't have the speed and the knack. So what, they, what, what I've seen happen is this subtle deconstruction of language. Instead of deconstructing the natural world, um, people start deconstructing language. Now that's where I think we run into so much drama is when language starts to deconstruct itself, we're in trouble. And that's why I think that's why Peterson was such a hit is because he wasn't buying it. He wasn't buying the um, postmodern language deconstruction as a subtle play for power. And I don't think he I don't think he goes about explaining it in a great way. Maybe he doesn't mm. know why. Maybe he just has this intuition or instinct why. But he can sense that there's a he can sense there's a there's a mm. ill intention in there. It's like you're deconstructing my language in a power play um, because you and mm. it's 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 almost the worst projection trap ever because let's say you've got someone who can't contend. Let's say you've got someone who can't contend with the world and what they want to do and, and be successful and have self-esteem and all this kind of stuff. For whatever reason, they're having a really hard time of it. So they start to see, uh, you know, they start to see power out in the world. They start to see power everywhere. And it, it's not, now it's not, you know, competence. It's just power, 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 power. Now imagine if you're sitting there in your own little world, feeling powerless, seeing all this power out in the world, but you're powerless to do anything about it what would you naturally start to do? Naturally, you would start to deconstruct their language to try and manufacture a misstep so you can nail them. Right. And, and it's not, mm. it's not, um, what am I going to say here? It has its benefits. Like language in now in our history, language is at the level of complexity where it can deconstruct itself. There's something to be said about that. Um, clearing the way, that deconstruction is clearing the way for a brand new thing to happen, a brand new sense of nesting, mm. Darcy. Mm. That deconstruction is so important because on the other side of that, the only, left, the only place left to go is something like the sales game, <laughs> mm. honestly. I just, I just, on I the just, other yeah. end of that. That just totally clicked for me, dude. When when yeah, you were, cool. when you were talking, okay. so it's, it's a rough one. When you were talking about 
spiritual intellect versus yes. personal spiritual experience. Spiritual experience. And I, I would I would say uh-huh. that spiritual experience is transformative by nature. Meaning yes, yes, you totally. look at the person and they're changed. There's almost like a yes. you know, in, in my beliefs it's a it's it's a path of redemption. It's a it's a you truly nice. are transformed yes. and redeemed from yep. what you are now to the original intent of of you. Yes, arduous and the inherent inner value transformation. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yes, it almost, it almost seems like that in the business. Yes. Yeah. So it's almost like the business context. It's like we've got to a, such a high level of business intellect. You know, we learn through information. Got we've got so you've much got stuff it. to say. You've got it. You've always got we, it. But we do, You're onto we it. Have, yeah. yeah. But but you haven't hit the you haven't hit the transformative <laughs> experience of that. Yes. 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 This is where we're like. This is how much Carl Jung was ahead of his time. Now we're finally having a conversation about al- alchemy. Oh man, that yeah. poor, poor yeah. man. Mm. Like now we're now we can have an open public conversation about alchemy. That's what it is. It's can you hold so much tension inside of you to not blame anyone else, to not deconstruct, to not see it anything else but what it is? Can you sit with it and let let the alchemy happen and completely blast you into a a version of you where you this is you, this is your whole reality. I'm valuable because I am. Mm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That that completely transformed my life when I made a. I, I was going to say a conscious decision, but I don't think it even is that. Uh-huh. I think it's something that just transforms me when you when you truly believe and you hold it as at your core that every single human being that is and was and ever will be has inherent value. Mm-hmm. You so much, you, for me anyway, I saw the world in such a completely different way. Yes. Because I was, I was always thinking of like that person has more value than that person because they're really talented at A, B and C yes, and not Steve. so powerful. Yes, Yeah, you know what I mean? As opposed to they have eternal inherent value for who they are just because yes, of they, Steve. who they are. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it's actually embedded, this, this, that idea of inherent value is embedded in our neurology. And I'll show you why. One question, man, one question. What's the reason for reason? Hmm. What do you think? What's the reason for reason? Huh? I don't know. I haven't had enough time. I don't know. I have enough time to think about it. It's a tricky one. But it, it is, this for me is why, is why religion is goddamn important. Um, but I explain it in one way. As we went into our, as we went into the rational stages of life, that you know emerged this third, third person reality of objects outside of oneself. Um, mm. So that that made it really quite easy to argue against religion. But there's a few things that you got to take into account here. It's like yes, religious dogma can get a little intense and extreme, absolutely. But they threw out the religious mysticism with the religious dogma. So some poor soul that had an, a profound experience that was n- absolutely nailed it when he said every man and woman was made in the eyes of God. Mm. That is another way of saying every single person of li- alive has inherent value. Mm-hmm. So then, w- therefore, what is the reason for reason? The reason for reason is to give every single person the opportunity to think for themselves. 
because inside their unique thought is inherent value for everyone. Mm. <laughs> That's the reason for reason, because every man and woman was made in the eyes of God. Right. So to give everyone a fair shot at finding and expressing their value, reason mm. emerged. That's amazing. Yeah, that's what I thought yeah, too. Yeah, 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 I was yeah. blown away. Well, that's also like I've been thinking a lot lately about, you know, you know, Das was, you, you were talking about this the other day too, where you've kind of gone through a bit of a uh, shift in the way that you saw the world. But I suppose <laughs> like when you, when you explain it that way that everyone has a shot to, in my words, in the interpretation almost like everyone has a shot to create in their own individual way because everyone does create their own individual ways. Yeah, that's yeah. it, Steve. But that's that is it. also good. That is also good. Uh huh. That almost ticks the the the, the try part as well, because it's you know, it's it's good for yourself. It's good for the people around you. But I think it's it's good for for life at large. Yep. For people to create in their own individual way through those through those opportunities. Uh huh. Yeah, they're all connecting. I'm, I'm my brain is exploding here because I'm seeing all the connections, even from self and yes. se- self and yes, money Steve. and all all of that type nice, of stuff. Because nice. then that gets in the way, and then we put. Yeah. Anyway, let me just ponder that over to you, Das. I'm just going to think for a bit. This is awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, the, the podcast listeners can't see the screen right now, but Steve's had a stroke on the left hand side of his body yeah, yeah. whilst still remaining yeah. extremely inspired yeah, and yeah. enthused. I'm smelling. I'm smelling. Yeah, I smell burnt. I smell burnt toast. My left arm is drooped. <laughs> But, but I'm um, extremely inspired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Hey, uh, should, no, we, should we dive into let's do some questions? The, the magic questions. The questions. Matt's got a couple of. Uh, I think maybe one or two more he wants to ask from the audience. I believe. If you want to go, yeah, yeah. Let's do a couple of couple of couple of questions from the audience, I've, and then we'll I've do only, the golden too. I've only got three left. All right, good. Let's get them out. That's so okay. then uh, we get more come in. Okay. Okay. Who, outside of the critical few. Are you inspired by in work and life? Mm. Mm. Go ahead, Nat. Who am I inspired by in work and life? Oh, shit. It's always a hard one. Oh, man. Man, I get inspired by the weirdest things, hey? <laughs> like, um, well, we're talking about this on a podcast this morning. Yeah. Go, go for it. I think it'd be interesting yeah. to share these two link. I get inspired by these really kind of basic kind of mundane things where like, you know, when you see people just having a crack and you see like, I know, I know you're scared, but you're doing it anyway. It's like that yeah. lights me up, eh? It doesn't even need to be anyone, mm-hmm. a mate. Like, because here's my, here's my little piece about that in the, in the kind of background of like showing up, showing up in the world. I just don't think we have a choice of how high the level gets, like how high you want to go. I just don't think we have a choice because people have to open the door for you to get to that level. So I really, I don't, I don't buy fame, fortune and all that stuff because I think what, wherever you'll end up is where, is where you'll end up. Like just get really good at what you do, really, really, really good at what you do and your sphere of influence will either stay small where it needs to be or it might go really, really large. Um, but that's not, I don't think it's up to you. And the funny example I use is like, well, Jesus only had 12 and the world's still fucked and Buddha just had himself and the world's still fucked. So. Like we're fine. <laughs> See, like you're, you're that that whole like. Imagine if Jesus had Instagram account. Followers would he had back in the day? <laughs> so good, so good. Just, what just was that, Jesus. Does? What was that? Imagine if Jesus, 
had an Instagram account or like at, at Jesus oh, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And just, just, just high angle ab yeah, shots post workout shake. You imagine if that was like, that was like, all of the, uh, <laughs> all of the modern, all the modern ways of like fame and fortune and success. Uh, not that I think of these, uh, these, the, the the big ones in the history would have cared about it, but it just would have been interesting, yeah. You know, like Buddha, Buddha's like retweeting Jesus and being like, "Hey, bro." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. then Mah- <laughs> Muhammad's like, "Nah, you got it all wrong, man." Yeah. <laughs> Did you see this? And then all of the followers are like, "Fight!" It's just modern day warfare, like you know, yeah. religious warfare, but it's just online. It's like, "Nah, you don't believe it, man." You know, just all fighting yeah. with each other. Jesus, like, hashtag haters will think Muhammad. it's fake. <laughs> 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 oh, back to my back to my point was that uh, like I yeah in inspirate <laughs> in like people that we hold in high regard. Um, so they've been oh here we go here's one here's one um, a guy called Michael Gervais who runs the performance uh, work for the Seattle Seahawks is like. Oh man, he's my full man crush. Hey? He's my North Star. God damn, he's a baller. <laughs> he's so good. What do you What do you like about him? What inspires you? Oh, yeah, until he, they mentioned his name, exactly what he does and how he works. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah right. Oh, exactly. Man, exactly. So, high, high He's a high performance psychologist. Um, works primarily with musicians and the Seattle Seahawks. Um, he's a surfer. He's a family man. He. This did the grind. Like, when I say grind, I mean the grind. He did 18 years of a government-run program for disadvantaged youth basketball players. 18 years. Like, he just hmm. put the work in. That's sick. And developed such a knack for his craft that when he had a meeting um, with the Seattle Seahawks, they were just like, yeah, you're in. And, yeah, and he just does, like, I love what he does with project work. So he'll do project work with Red Bull. He'll manage Felix, you know, Felix Baumgartner, the guy that jumped from space, that parachuted from space. Mm. So his dude was Mike Gervais. They, did, they hung out. They, they managed himself. Mm. They managed the situation. They managed his interiority so he could jump out of space. Like that shit, if there was anything where I'm like, that's what I'm aiming at, it will be that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. That's yeah, awesome. So unreal. So, yeah. But no, other than that, it's kind of these general kind of moments of inspiration that I get from people being really courageous when they know it's really scary and hard. Yeah. I think I was, I was, talking, I was talking about that with my wife the other day because she's, you know, now, now, my, now our two girls are back in school. She's starting to do her, essentially has more time available to her to explore her own sort of creativity and ventures and awesome. in business and, and, and the likes. And I just said to her the other day, I'm like, you've been really inspiring lately. And she's like, what do you mean? I haven't been really doing anything. And I said, well, it's not so much the outcome of what you're doing, but it's the depth of your fear yeah. yet taking action anyway that's inspiring. And so yeah, I think sometimes it. we make inspiration outcome-based rather than someone who's really, yeah. really scared but showed up and moved forward anyway. And you're just like, I know how hard that was for you, but you did it. Yeah, And dude. that's what's inspiring. The game I think in- that's, almost, that's almost inbuilt into us. The sales game inspired the hell out of me, honestly. Awesome. Like it was just this melting pot of, yeah, inspiration is a really good, really, really good way to, to put it. Um, because it's un, like the unpredictability of it. It's, yeah, it's it so go good. 
it can go anywhere. And that idea of like change, the idea of change is changing. Like I loved the, I loved mm. the challenge of keeping up with the game and trying to be two, three steps ahead of it and predicting where it goes. Um, mm. That for me, I was in a, I was in a different planet during the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. That's sick. You got another question. You do things there? to me, boys. You do things yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. Got another good one. That was a good one. I like that. And then if not, we'll dive into the, the last the last doozies. Okay. Or do you want to go like what could be a reasonable conversation or just a dumb Or you one? want to talk about a movie? <laughs> You'd pick, mate. You pick. Somebody you about you've been quiet, you probably might want to ask a movie question. I don't have a movie. I got I got that music question, which I find pretty interesting. All right, okay. go for it. That sounds good. Okay, so this is what we got asked. Do you think there can ever be musicians and music as well recognized and globally foundational as artists such as the Beatles, Elv- um, Eagles, or other early musical success-, success stories? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think if you're, because here's here's the thing. I mean, so when you when you think about a band like say Pink Floyd, essentially what you're doing is asking. Pick that at random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is is it like? Obviously, I mean, it's obvious, right? You're, you're looking at the single greatest creation that humans have ever come up with is the band Pink Floyd. Like, we'll never sure. top that. You can jump from, you know, you can jump from space if you want, but unless you're actually Pink Floyd, you're creating the space So um, that he jumped from. So, no, no, in, in order to answer that question, I think that it's, it's back to what you said before, Nat. Like, the fact that they've... Who asked that question? Was it Arnold? Shout out to Arnold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's sending Shout bulk out questions. Awesome. Shout out Keep to Arnold. Going, Arnold. So, out to Arnold, is that, well, if we look at this, we go, well, those bands probably weren't foundational because they will have emerged from something before it. You know, people talk about Black Sabbath were the yeah. foundation for every single piece of metal music you've ever heard, but that actually sprung yeah, from yeah, even yeah, yeah, yeah. Chuck, like Chuck Berry's music in the 50s. Blues, rock and roll from Chuck Berry in the 50s was considered devil's uh-huh. music. That's where that's where metal sprung from. And if you listen to Chuck Berry's music now, yeah, he's like, he's talking about like dancing with a girl. That's all that is, you know? <laughs> Madness. Um, <laughs> and then even, you know, you take Elvis, talk about the king of rock and roll, um, yep. from which, you know, Led Zeppelin, the Beatles, all of this will have sprung somewhat. They will have been influenced right. by it. Um, you know, they couldn't show him from the waist down on TV because it was too sexual. Mm. Yeah, you know, and the, but yep. now it's like, man, you're you're not getting on stage unless you're overly sexual these days. You know, if there's got to be something yeah. you're flaunting. Only film from the waist down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Everything it. flips. Yeah, no one knows what Justin Bieber looks up from the looks like up anymore. But this is the yeah, that, that idea of the foundation. I would question that definition. Will there be a band more influential in terms of um, creating? like driving a knife or driving a stick into the history of music and changing it so dramatically in the way that those bands did. I'm going to stamp my foot and put it down passionately that I don't think that's possible yes. because there'll be an, there'll never be another Michael Jordan. There'll never be another. No, I don't know. People can always, always, say this, yeah, though. you can't. There always will be. You can't. You can't <laughs> say that. But of course, because you know what the thing is? You know the answer to this question is no, because the future is unlimited and of course there'll be another band. But for the sake of the discussion, in a like, you need to say a time frame okay. in the next twenty years, in the next fifty years. I don't think so. I think those bands. No, it happens suck. all the time. Yeah, can you imagine? I'm getting passionate yeah. about this. I think I'm with. I think I'm with you, guys. Can you imagine being in London in the nineteen no. from like nineteen sixty five to nineteen eighty? We were talking imagine. about being so yeah, good at beer. Yeah, yeah, they didn't, yeah, they didn't me, know what they had. Yeah, let me yeah. let me squash that for you. 
The only exactly reason... Exactly what I said to you in the Facebook message, fellas. Literally this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only reason that <laughs> yeah. you think that is because that is your favorite genre of music. Yeah, well, that too, but I'm also very correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> so because if you, like, how... How do you how how do you define like say I uh, use the word legacy like how do you define that as say cultural impact and like record set? Oh uh, yeah. Here's the thing though. I mean, because God, they're yeah, like the Beatles, all their all their Billboard records get broken all the time by new artists. Yeah, totally. But Michael, Michael Jordan gets out earned by every by the shittest NBA players. Yeah, you know on a basic roster yeah. earn more than Michael Jordan did at his prime. So who's the better basketball? Yeah, well that you can't that you can't determine. Well, let's not look uh, we at records. Wait 50, we gotta wait fifty years and see if I anyone's think there's name a still there's exists. a piece in yeah, a let's pe- let's let's not base it on records. There's a piece in this where we actually what I liked before but the inspiration question was like people on the fringe that get sucked into the center and become a mainstay or foundation, they have to hang out on the fringe on one on, on one piece of they're like a, they're they're bread and water is full courage. Mm. That's it. Because no one's listening to them. No one gets them. No one understands them. It's like, oh, yeah, people that are, people that are now considered foundation at one point were psychopaths, full ma- madness, same as Copernicus. So the, scientific, the scientific way was just insanity mm. for so many years. Like, so what gives them, what inside them goes, nah, I'm sticking with it even though no one likes me. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit crazy. But I suppose, I suppose what we're talking about in the context of those, say, bands may not necessarily buy talent, but it seems to be that they're all really talented. May not even necessarily be about the numbers side of things because, yeah, I'm sure there's like some Spotify hit that, I mean, like, you know, sold more, had more plays than the Beatles. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some sort of remix that no one's heard. Yeah. What, it, what it probably <laughs> is, is, and I think it, any of the goats seem to do this, is they actually shift culture at large. Like they culturally shift the way yeah. Yeah, humans yeah. organize themselves. I th- the, the Yes, rate that. Snowflake. Yes. <laughs> you could, Snowflake. I think claim. you could... Um, <laughs> oh, see, you'll... you'll You'll stand against this because they're not as big right now as they currently were. But both in their peak, the Beatles and One Direction were like equal levels of like global phenomenon. Yeah, but which has shifted culture more? Well, right in that time period for the two or three years, they did. One Direction shifted culture just as much as Yeah, they would have had just as many women screaming their name. True. Yeah. Shame. Well, then you have to define how do you shift culture. Yeah. Is it women screaming? Oh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> so what do you, what's your answer, Das? No. No, I just, I mean, look, it's, I, I, base, it no. pure, I base it purely, I'm, I'm not basing this off, off evidence or logic. I'm basing it purely off the fact that Led Zeppelin, the Beatles and Pink Floyd are the three greatest things, the three greatest giants to walk the earth since the dinosaurs. And, you don't uh, even and like I, Pink Floyd. You only like Roger Waters. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> I mean, Sid Barrett before. Anyway, we go. We, whatever. We won't go into that. But uh, yeah, you're right. No, I'll, I'll give you that. I like the Roger Waters Pink Floyd albums for sure. Yeah. Before so you like that. about 25% of Pink Floyd. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think they were a different band. 
before and after him. So. Yeah, but see, now we're going down the slippery slope of like once you've got one, then you have to prove. Oh, here we go. I was just going to say, to, Steve, then you have yeah, to prove. You have to pr- you have to prove your 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 depth of love for them. It's like you know. Yeah. N- what do you think? Steve? Oh, you're, I, th- I think the only point I'm trying to make I'm, is that there isn't like a. I I think I think I always base it off a couple of things. Like, do we do you believe the world is becoming a better place or a worse place? And do you spend most of your time looking to the future or to the past? Now I'm a believer that the past, world's becoming past, a better past, place. Past. Us. And I look to the future. <laughs> so I'm always going to answer questions like, well, we don't know what's going to happen yeah, in another 500 I, years. Someone could come and make the Beatles look like a bunch of losers. They will. Know? They will. In fact, I think if we live in an infinite universe, they have to. Of course, it has to happen, so which, yeah. which renders the question useless, which is why we have to put a time frame around it. Time yeah, yeah. Time matters. Well, it seems it seems Much to be like that the, the only thing we care about is things within our immediate grasp or within our lifetime, or maybe just around our lifetime. We're, like, there's not too many people that are fanatical about the 1800s right now. You know what I mean? Like, people aren't just like frothing on the 1800s. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there was great bands. I'm sure there was great. Everything. It's just like there's a select it's, few. So it's like at large. Families just still going to the toilet in a bucket and throwing it out the window just down the street. That love the yeah, well, I just think at large people people really care about themselves and they care about their immediate reality. And so therefore they orient themselves around things that are important to fit those 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 tick those boxes. What do you think, Nat? Um no, nah, I don't think it can happen. I point to you, Dust. Actually, don't, I'm going to say no. It's purely out of emerging properties. It's like everything's going to emerge out of those big yeah. dogs. You can tra- you can trace everything back to yeah, those. Yeah, yeah, I, g- I yeah. I that. I get that too. Well, they 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 emerge from something else and from something else. Yeah, and from so something it'll just else. Keep going. Yeah, it does. Uh-huh. You guys yes. are like the those people in the YouTube comments that say I was born in the wrong generation. <laughs> no, I was born in the perfect generation. That was just you, that was you putting them down, ah. Matt. That was your <laughs> hey, uh, uh, golden, golden, golden question. question. <laughs> you wouldn't have heard these before. You're gonna love it. Golden uh, question. Two. Okay. What, what, what's the what's the yeah, premise? they're two. They're two really good questions. We ask them. We ask them every time. Oh, cool, 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 cool. All right. So the watch first one is a, this. Watch me make a hash of these. <laughs> okay. Keen. Keen. Uh, so, first question is this. What is something you've come to know and believe to be true that you know a lot of other people... Cheesecake sim- is delicious. <laughs> that you know a lot of other people simply disagree with. Okay. No, it can't be true that people simply disagree with. There's no such thing as wrong and right. Mm, Go on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The understanding of um, many worlds, many selves, many relative truths that are context-bound. Um, not hard to explain either. So you take a phenomena of science and you remove the context. You take a, you take a phenomena of science and then you put that in a different context and it doesn't work. So Sure. So like in terms of humans, right. it's like what was wrong in the 1700s could be right now, you know, uh, or it's, it's wrong for women to vote. And then that's just absolutely Yeah, or crazy. vice versa. Yeah. Yep. You got it. Um, again, again, t- time is really important in these conversations because if you can if you can manage it, then there's there's room for everything. There is room for everything. So there's no wrong or right, but there is contextual wrong or right. Uh, yeah, depends how big you can take your context. <laughs> That's the question. How big mm. can you take your context? And can you manage it? Can you can you hold it and be cool with it? 
without kind of falling into ambivalence and kind of melting away at the seams. I can't wait to read your book. Interesting. I, I love I like this. It's probably a good time. We'll, we'll uh, pre-launch your book for you, Nat. <laughs> Those that don't know, uh, Nat's currently writing releasing okay, okay, yeah, yeah, to the editor <laughs> and the editor <laughs> the editor emailed him back and said Something uh, i've decided that i can no longer edit your book for you due to the emotional pain that it brings or something like this or due to the emotional discomfort you're bringing up in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god all right second question Matt. second question yes are you ready what is something you currently believe to be true, but that you sense yourself starting to let go of? That I matter. Oh! Go on. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> uh, so the, <laughs> um, the, the relative sense of self, you know, this, this Nathaniel that runs around the world and makes things happen and does things, so convincing for so many years, Dust. So convincing, but it's just not the case. Okay, go go deeper. We're not going to end the podcast on, all right, let's wrap that up. See you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, there's, just more, there's just more to the game. There's, um, it, feels like, it feels like I'm starting now. Um, now, I can, now I can start with what's, what's really going on. Mm. So, yeah, there's just more, there's more things at play. There's so many variables that, once you start to interpret them, it, there's, you get so overwhelmed that you realize that um, you realize that free free will is all but an illusion. Oh mm, wow! We need an episode two. Yeah, we need an episode two. <laughs> Would you be happy to come back and do episode two? Yeah, done. Absolutely. Just tell me when. Because I think the free will conversation would be one that we could spend three hours just talking. Actually, what I'd love to do, Dars, we need to set up an episode. Yeah, we need to set up an episode two with with Nat and Diff talking about the concept of free will. Boy, do you reckon we should like? Is there any way? I don't know if we can do this, Matt. Maybe you'd want to look into it. But is there any way we can do like a live episode that we like a live like a panel. some sort of? I reckon there's something we could do there and be like pursuit of love episode thirty one live chat on whether or not free will exists yeah uh-huh. yeah <laughs> yeah 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 the title is because because nat's created the episode essentially it's <laughs> free will does not exist agree or disagree tell yeah, us why yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yes yeah 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 no oh, no oh, free no, no. free will is an illusion that's the words free will is an illusion agree or disagree yeah, yeah that sounds yeah, sick yeah. Nat, hey, it's, Nat. Been a, it's been a yeah, pleasure yeah. to have you on the show, man. It's been such yeah, a dude, good chat. Yeah, dude, thanks for having me. See. Where can people connect with you? And- <laughs> um, my, I've just got my personal name. I don't really, I'm not, I think I've got 300 Instagram followers. You see, uh, I'm pretty um, pretty popular these days. <laughs> <laughs> so just Nathaniel at outliers.consulting. Just email me if you want to have a chat. Yeah, sick, 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 sick. Well, looking That's forward great. to having you back on the show, man. I think it'd be Sweet. good to chat. And uh Personally, I want to yeah, say thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me, fellas. That was fun. I want to say thanks. And it was so good to hang out with you for a couple of days in the sales game too, man. Like it, it was Darcy spoken a lot about you, but it was, yeah, sweet. It was really cool yeah. to actually hang out and looking forward to doing more of that too. Oh, guys, can I, I'm going to slip a plug in there. Everyone go play a sales game. I'm going to plug you guys before it. <laughs> go play the sales game. God damn, just do it. It'll be a game changer. It'll be a game changer <laughs> on so many levels. <laughs> You're a legend. Thanks so much, man. That's great. Appreciate it, man. We'll speak soon. Good. See you, boys.